بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد The second part of Surah Al-Baqarah mostly focuses on the story of Sayyidina Musa salam. And the story of Sayyidina Musa salam is quite different from the other Anbiya and that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has dealt with it in quite a bit of length in Surah Baqarah as well as mentioning it in a few other places in the Qur'an al-Kareem. In fact, it's possible, although we certainly have a lot of tafsil on Yusuf salam, but from the major prophets, the tafsil that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen to give in the beginning of the Qur'an al-Kareem to, to Sayyidina Musa Islam is particularly relevant. Tomorrow morning we'll be talking about Iman and the Messengers. But part of the reason we have Imam and all of the Anbiya is that we believe Sayyidina Musa Islam is our Nabi. And his story is quite different from the story of the Prophet Sallallahu So let's begin as all of you know that he was part of this Bani Israel which was an oppressed group, right? It was oppressed by this person called Fir'aun in Egypt and Misr. And he saw a Kipti and a Misri. A Kipti were the people of Bani Israel and a Misri that had an altercation. And the Misri, which is the person from Fir'aun's group, unjustly started beating up basically that Kipti. The Sayyidina Musa Islam, this is a sifat of Adl. And the Sahaba Kiram that resembles Sayyidina Musa is Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Sayyidina Umar had the Musabi Nisbat. There you will see shortly where that is. So Sayyidina Musa Islam sees that this Misri is unjustly beating up his fellow countrymen. And he goes with the niyat of breaking it up to strike one blow. But that one blow is sufficient to knock out and kill. Allah Akbar in that mystery, right? But the name Musa Islam's one touch would probably be enough for somebody like me and you, right? Then Sayyidina Musa Islam decides to flee, alright? What's the reason for this? First of all, nobody should think that Sayyidina Musa was fleeing justice. There was no justice in that land. And at best, Sayyidina Musa Islam had committed what we call indeliberate manslaughter. He had not intended to kill that person and he only got involved in an altercation because an unjust act was going on. But because he knew there was no justice in that land, right, he decided to leave. Now when he leaves, he gets Nabuwa. Now this is radically different from Rasulullah Wasallam. Rasulullah is going up to Harahira and he is searching and meditating and he has left his society, right, but he keeps going back. He hasn't fled. He goes up to the cave and mountain earth and sallallahu he goes back. Then he goes back, then he goes back. He's waiting for something to happen. He's searching for something. Sayyidina Musa isn't doing that. He's just leaving, thinking I'm just going to make my life somewhere, wherever I can make my life outside the kingdom. As you know, there's a very famous passage in the Qur'an al-Kareem where there's some shrubbery and there's some fire and then Sayyidina Musa hears this voice, right? And basically Allah subhanahu speaks to him. Also different, from the Prophet Islam in which Allah Ta'ala chose to say in the angel Jibreel Your uncle will tell you that Musa Islam is Abzal because Allah Ta'ala chose to speak to Musa Islam directly whereas in the case of Rasulullah Allah Ta'ala sent the angel Jibreel I show you this just to show you from time to time how devious and how deviant the uncle can be if you use your uncle you will totally not only will you never be able to understand this book, you will completely misunderstand this book. 
It doesn't mean that the Qur'an al-Karim is khilafi akal. It's not irrational, it's not against rationality. It's wara'ul akal. It's transrational, it's super-rational, it's beyond rationality. But if we were to for a moment indulge our akal, you would think that, what? Ye to Musa islam ki fazilat hai ke Allah ta'ala khud kalam kiya. Or udur rasulullah ko sayyidina Jibreel al-Islam ko bhej rahe. First of all, when the angel Jibreel Islam went to the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Iqra. He didn't reveal. He commanded the Prophet ﷺ, although Allah Ta'ala chose to make those words part of revelation, he commanded the Prophet ﷺ himself to recite Bismi Rabbikalladhi Khalaq. So in other words, it means that Rasulullah is the ultimate prophet because he is not going to have Allah Ta'ala recite the revelation to him. It's going to be revealed on his heart and he's going to recite the revelation. So he is that Nabi who he himself is the agent of revelation and Jibreel Islam is coming to give this hukum of Ikra to begin that agency. So it's not that Jibreel is the agent of revelation. Jibreel triggers Rasulullah himself being the agent of revelation. In the case of Sayyidina Musa Islam, Allah SWT is the agent of revelation. Then Allah Ta'ala gives Sayyidina Musa Islam these two miracles, very famous story again, he gives him the staff that if you cast it down it turns into a serpent and he gives him the ability to put his hand in his armpit and he takes his hand out and it becomes light. That's just an alamah, it's just a sign. Then Sayyidina Musa Islam is stunned, he doesn't know what's going to happen. Allah Ta'ala sends him, commands him to go back to Fir'aun, go right back where you came from, right? And go back openly and go back in a state of dawah. Then Musa Islam asks Allah, right, that, and remember this point, this is going to be critical in about five minutes. He asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I need some help. I, I can't do this alone because I know the dhulm of Fir'aun, the stubbornness of Fir'aun. This does not seem to be to me to be a one-man job, right? Now, if you go back to Rasulullah when he came back from the Gharahir, he also was overwhelmed. So this is a common theme in the Anbiya. They're overwhelmed by this task of Nabuwa. And we can just imagine, right? Sometimes me and you are overwhelmed at just being an Ummati. Sometimes me and you are overwhelmed by just having to be a Hami or Hamil of the Sunnah. Imagine if you had this responsibility on you that you had to guide people out of Kufr, guide people out of Shirk, or take the Bani Israel out of Zulm, or somehow convince Fir'aun to give up his dawah that he used to say, Allah, I am Allah. Basically, he said, I'm God. Al-A'la, I'm the greatest God. That you have to go back and try, so it was a burden on him. When Sayyidina Musa, Sayyidina Rasulullah felt this, he came down and he sought solace in his zawj. Amma Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. It's a very famous hadith in the very beginning of Bukhari, after the hadith on Niyat. Imam Bukhari's first chapter is Babun Kaifa Kana Ban Al-Wahi. The chapter on which articulates the beginning of revelation. And he has a long hadith about the Prophet ﷺ describing this moment when he was in the cave of Mount Hira and the angel came and Jibreel squeezed him three times, pressed him close to his chest, clasped him close to his chest. And when the Prophet ﷺ realized that he was given this nabuwa, he came back and he was shivering. Right? And that's also... And he said, Zambiluni, Zambiluni. And that's how he got this luck of, Ya Ayuhal Muzammil. Right? Because Makhadir wrapped him up in a shawl. He was literally... Like he would say in Urdu, kap right? Based on the responsibility that was given. Similarly, Sayyidina Musa Islam was shivering, in a sense, due to the responsibility, and he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah ta'ala give me somebody who would help me. Allah ta'ala selected his brother. 
Much can be said on this and you are all men, those of you who have brothers would know that if you have a naik and a salih brother, it is the ultimate thing. The ultimate support that a person gets is from a naik and salih brother. Rasulullah did not have that at that moment, so he could not have made such a dua. Rasulullah did not have a brother. This is also part of the kamal of his nabuah. Is Allah is also showing that contrast that while Sayyidina Musa had his brother to help him, Rasulullah did it on his own without a brother. Right? In another verse of the Quran, Allah also mentions the nisbat of the brother when he describes Qiyama yawma yafir ul mar'u min akhi. That this is the day that a man will flee from his brother. And as Allah is showing us, right? he picked the brother because the brother is the ultimate source of support. But on the yawm al qiyamah, a person will be so utterly confused and so utterly scared and so utterly worried that he will flee from his brother. He'll refuse to support his brother and he'll refuse to even think of taking support his brother. Right? So this themes of brotherhood. Khair. So then Allah Ta'ala bestows nubuwa. He could have made Harun al-Islam his Abu Bakr. He could have made his chief son. But no, he bestowed nubuwa. He made a prophet out of Harun al-Islam. Here then, as you know, then I'll wrap up the rest of the story very quickly. They go, they make dawah to Fir'aun, they throw the staff, they do all of that, they win over some magicians. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about Moth and Surah Baqarah after the Bani Israel, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals to Musa salam that you can leave. Right? Not that you can leave, but you should leave. You must migrate, you must leave Misr and take your people out. Now I want you to put yourself in the mind of the Bani Israel. Now you are a part of a community that has been oppressed for as long as you can remember. What type of oppression? That all of the male children are slaughtered. Male infanticide. Right? That's another kisah elsewhere in the Quran of how Musa Islam was spared. Right? All types of oppression. And finally this person comes and he says he's a prophet and you accept him as a prophet and he takes you out and he says he's going to lead you out. Now some of the Bani Israel perhaps understandably in the first instance were a bit skeptical. That how is this person going to take us out when the Fir'aun has so many armies and this, that and everything. So they reach up to the Red Sea and there Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows or makes a mojisa or a miracle manifest at the hands of Musa that he parts the Red Sea. All of you know they cross, Fir'aun and the army follow and Fir'aun, not just the Fir'aun, but Fir'aun himself plus his army drown. So the Bani Israel know we're home free. Not only did we leave that place, but that dictator is dead, right? So you would think when they reach the other side, they would have kamil yakin in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because in their own eyes they saw this mojiz that the water parted for them. And kamil yakin in their prophet Sayyidina Musa Islam who stuck the strap, got the seas to part, looked back, got the seas to close on them. You would think it would be an absolute perfect relationship. That's when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spends pages or ayat or rukus in Surah Baqarah to show us something shocking to show us something shocking and that is that the Ashab of Bani Israel right? first of all they tell Sayyidina Musa Islam that uh, we want you to pray to your Lord they don't say our Lord now if you translate this in English it means please pray to your Lord can you imagine any Sahaba telling the Prophet some list that please make prayer to your Allah as if yani, the meaning is that it's not ours they don't make nisbah the, elsewhere the Quran shows all of du'as in the Quran, whether from the Prophet or earlier, and by Rabbana, 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 our Rabb, our Rabb. But what did the Bani Israel do? They asked their Prophet to pray to your Rabb. Right? One major difference. 
they're ungrateful due to the, about the blessings and the food that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. Many more miracles happen. Sayyidina Musa strikes his staff on a rock, twelve springs gush forth, each for the different tribes. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the ultimate story here, which is the reason Surah Baqarah is named Baqarah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides to call Musa alayhi to the special cave on the mount to, or to bestow upon him a very special revelation which is known as the Torah. Right? So Musa Islam leaves. He leaves his brother, also a prophet, behind. Now what do these people do? It's, just imagine, I, I will show you how to imagine how crazy this is. What they do is they make, not even a cow, they make, they construct the likeness of a cow. It's some type of statue or some type of puppet or some type of doll. And they start worshipping it in front of Harun al-Islam. Now let, to show you how shocking this is, imagine Rasulullah some goes to Taif. And why is it Taif? I tell you that Abu Bakr and Omar started making a cow and started worshipping it. You beat me up, you say this is blasphemy. How can you suggest such a thing that's <laughs> inconceivable? And really a person feels for Sayyidina Musa Islam that what type of asab he was given. Right? There are a handful who remained loyal and who remained under Harun and condemned the practice. But the majority of the Bani Israel, the majority of those people who had seen all of this, the parting of the Red Sea, the staff, the twelve springs, all of it, manna salwa from the heavens, food descending from the heavens, all of that committed open manifest shirk, not even shirki khafi. Not hidden shirk, shirk jelly, open, manifested, idol worship. While their prophet is going and getting revelation, I mean, it's the ultimate disloyalty. I cannot imagine any more disloyalty than this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, what are the messages in here? One message is Allah ta'ala is giving tasalli to Rasulullah That notwithstanding the fact that the Quraysh are oppressing you, right? That the kuffar of Makkah are persecuting you. But look at the ashab I gave you. Take the sally from Abu Bakr Siddiq Take the sally from Sayyidina Umar Take the sally from Sayyidina Uthman Sayyidina Ali Because look what the other Anbiya The type of Ashab and the type of fitness The other Anbiya had to deal with Second thing Which is incredible It's an incredible thing Actually the Quran the Kareem was muhatib Who is being addressed Initially the Jews of, of that area Of Makkah Makkah And later on the Medina Are being addressed and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying in Surah Baqarah that look, I know everything about you. And He says over and over again, and I'm ready to forgive you. And I forgave them. He forgives them. He mentions in the Quran al-Kareem how the Bani Israel would one after the other after the other. One Mufassar has counted 27 acts of disobedience, 27 acts of Baghawat rebellion that the Bani Israel do that are mentioned in Surah Baqarah. And after each and every single one, Allah ta'ala forgives them. Each and every single one, Allah Ta'ala forgives them. So that's also an incredible mercy, a message. Look at the mercy of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. That He can even forgive right, such incredible disloyalty and disobedience. And the third thing is, look at the incredible mercy of Allah. That He's inviting the Jews. Actually, this message of the Quran is addressed to Jews. That look, just like I was so merciful on your forefathers who were disloyal to your Prophet, I can be merciful towards you. Come and accept the Prophet But as you know, there were few Jews who became Sahaba. But the majority of Jews then, and the majority of Jews now, and the majority of Jews of the Yom Qiyamah have chosen to reject this book. And what does it mean? They've chosen to reject the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what is the reason for that? That's also mentioned in Surah Baqarah. And that is that the Jewish tribes who were living in Medina Manawar had deliberately gone there and settled there. Because they had in their Torah the signs of the last prophet. 
and amongst their signs was that he was going to come in a particular area, in a particular city, and when they were traveling in the Samadina Manawra, which was at that time named Yathrib, they said that this is a city that meets those signs. So they chose to settle down. They camped down there waiting for the last Prophet. And these two tribes that were there, the Aus and the Khazrat, they used to tell those two tribes that you guys are bothering us now, but just wait till our Prophet comes. Because they're idol worshippers. They used to tell the Aus and Khazrat that just wait till our last Prophet comes and then we'll see what you can do, right? And then when Rasulullah came, they were fully thinking that he's the last Prophet until they found one thing out. And then that is that he was from Bani Ismail as opposed to Bani Ishaq. Because the Bani Israel, the Jews, are from the descendancy of Sayyidina Ishaq The first son of Sayyidina Ibrahim And Rasulullah his nasab, his lineage came from Sayyidina Ismail That's it. That's the only reason they didn't accept the Prophet now we can understand that. That itself would have been shocking. But we realize this is a qawm that worships a cow in the life, or likeness of a cow in the lifetime of their Prophet. Actually, even later in Surah Baqarah, one of the 27 things, perhaps the most major one, well, Allah, maybe this shirk is the most major one. Another major one is that they used to kill the anbiya. Allah SWT says that after Musa I sent you more and more, Nabiyeen, I sent you prophets and prophets, and you killed them. You kill them without any right, without any legality. So they're murderers of prophets. They spurn their prophets. They murder their prophets. Not because they don't think they're prophets. They think they're prophets. They murder them. Can you imagine what type of community this is? Right? And still Allah Ta'ala even then graces them only at this initial da'wah by calling them Ahl Kitab. Not because they follow their kitab, not because they follow their Torah, but because they receive the Torah. They're the community who received the Torah. So Allah Ta'ala is creating a little leeway for them. That I'll still address you as Ahl Kitab. If you want, you can come. Believe in this book that is Musaddiq and Lima Bayna Yaday, that is uh, a verifier and is furthering that which is between your hands is your Torah. Any Jew then or now who chooses not to do that is an unbeliever, has chosen to reject the Quran. This has to be very clear. Now, we don't get any special fun or pleasure by declaring communities unbelievers. But we have to understand the Qur'an al-Kareem, right? And we have to understand unbelief, not on secular humanist terms. Because when you go to secular humanism, it seems really bad to call somebody an unbeliever, right? It seems like a very negative thing and generally we have have this thing ingrained in us that calling somebody a kafir, it's almost like me and you think kafir is a bad word. <laughs> it's a word in the Qur'an al-Kareem. How can it be a bad word? It, yes, it would be bad to apply it to somebody who is not an unbeliever, that is bad. But to call a spade a spade, there's nothing wrong with that. Allah subhanahu wa is doing that hundreds of times in the Qur'an al-Kareem. At least if we say we don't want to go ahead and repeat that statement, but we have to have that aqidah, that understanding that this group of people has chosen to spurn the Qur'an, spurn the sunnah, they are unbelievers. Yes, we will try, we can still try to make them believers, right? We will still hope that perhaps there's some way if you ever come across any of them. But by and large, until unless they accept, they are the mizdaq of the ayat in the Qur'an about the unbelievers. One thing that Allah subhanahu wa does not mention in the Qur'an al-Kareem is the end of the story. You do not learn in the Qur'an how Musa passed away, whatever happened at the very, very end, right? It's almost amazing, like when you, if you look at the Qur'an, you don't necessarily encourage doing this all the time. But if you look at the Qur'an like a text and you kind of let yourself ask the questions that you would have asked as if from any ordinary text, 
So one of the questions we will normally ask, well, how does the story end? What exactly happened in the end when Musa passed away? What was going on? What was the situation? Did they get any better? Did they get any worse? Allah SWT is silent on that. We can only assume that there must be nothing in the ending of that story that is of worth to us as Muslims. Right? So that also shows us that Allah SWT is not given, it's not a book of complete biography. Obviously, I'm sure the biography of Musa Islam would take several volumes if somebody was to know it all and Allah Ta'ala obviously was a being who knew all of it. So he's not giving us stories for story's sakes. Right? They're not mere qasas. Sometimes you have these books, and a very authentic book, Qasas al-Anbiya by Ibn Kathir, Qasas al-Anbiya by Malan Nadwina, right? They're authentic books, they're very good books, you should learn those stories. But sometimes, perhaps maybe because we heard these stories when we were children, and it's a good thing for children, but they're not just stories, right? If they were just stories, then we would say, there's lots of elements of the story missing, such as the ending. They're lessons, they're morals, they're parables, they're teachings. Right? And Allah Ta'ala by mentioning certain parts of the life of Musa Islam is trying to teach us something. What are those teachings? Alright? What are those teachings that Allah Ta'ala wants us? And you know, different Muslims in different days and age may get different lessons from this story. People like you and me living in this day and age, what is a lesson that we can get from this? Lesson number one, right, is to be true to your Prophet. Even though we are not the Ashab, I mean physically we are not in the physical presence of Rasulullah we are his Ashab in the sense that we are his Ummati. Right? And we also want to become better companions or better followers of the Prophet than the Bani Israel were. Secondly, right? The importance of Nabuwa is being highlighted here. Because over and over Allah chastises them for what? Not for disobeying the Torah, that doesn't come. For disobeying Musa and for killing Anbiya. Disobeying Musa, killing Anbiya. I'm sure they were disobeying the Torah also, right? But what's being stressed over and over again is that they disobeyed their Prophet. So it's for us to think also from the outset that certainly we are getting this text, we are reading this Quran al-Kareem, this is sacred revelation. But we also have a Nabi Rasulullah who has his teachings and his ta'limah. And we must follow them. We cannot leave them, we cannot spurn them. And for us to leave the Sunnah, it's like killing the Prophet. That is the way we can kill the Prophet. The way me and you can kill the Prophet is by killing the Sunnah in our life. If we kill the Sunnah from our life, we kill Rasulullah because that's what he came for. Right? That's his Nabuwa. That's his legacy. That's his heritage. That's his Waratha. In fact, he said that the Anbiya don't have Mali Waratha. This is our Waratha. His Waratha is his Sunnah. Right? And we are the Warathin. We are his Ummats. His Warathah doesn't go to his physical sons. His Warathah goes to his spiritual sons. So you and me are the spiritual sons of Rasulullah wasallam, Right? And until Allah we view our sons as Surah Bakr is all about Nabuwa. All about Nabuwa. Right? And that means we have to think about making ourselves more conscious of the fact that we are part of this prophetic Ummah. May Allah SWT enable us to reflect upon the Qur'an al-Kareem. May He enable us to reflect upon the life of Nabi Kareem sallallahu May He adorn us with each and every sunnah. Wa akhir da'wana and alhamdulillah hidamdan alameen. Subhanan ammina alham allahumma sallayana sallayana muhammad. Wa ala ala sallayana muhammadin wa barik wa sallam. Rabbana dhanamna anfusana wa illam tafillana wa tahamna lalakunana minal khasirin. Ya Allah, ya Rabbi Kareem, ya Allah, we have wronged ourselves. 
Ya Allah, you showered the most incredible blessing upon us. You made us amongst the Ummati Mustafa Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, you granted us this incredible honor to be a follower of the last and greatest messenger, the greatest of all of your creation. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Zalamna Anfusana. Ya Allah, we have wronged ourselves. We have allowed ourselves to become distant from his sunnah. Ya Allah, we have allowed ourselves to be distant from his seerah. Ya Allah, we have allowed ourselves to be distant from his adab and his akhlaq. Ya Allah, we have allowed ourselves to be distant from his sifat and mu'minana. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask you to restore to us his nabuwa and to restore to us, to our ummatiness. Ya Allah, we ask you to make us amongst his kamal muttabi'een. Ya Allah, we make, ask you to make us amongst his kamal followers. Ya Allah, we ask you to make us amongst his kamal warathin, amongst his kamal inheritors. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi we want to meet the Prophet ﷺ in such a state on the Day of Judgment that we are able to recognize him and that he is able to recognize us. That we are able to lay claim to him and Ya Allah, that he himself lays claim to us as his ummati. Ya Allah, we ask you to grace us by having the shifa of Rasulullah ﷺ. Let him intercede for us on that day. Let us get a place on his ranks and his safuf in his rose on the Day of Judgment. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi let us get a place in his shade on the Day of Judgment and let us get a place in his shade in Jannah for all of the Akhirah, for the everlasting afterlife. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to guide us to the path of the Sunnah, the way of the Sunnah, the teachings of the Sunnah, the lifestyle of the Sunnah, the emotions of the Sunnah, the mentality of the Sunnah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to restore to us this identity of being his follower. Ya Allah, we ask you to increase our love for the Prophet Sallallahu our love for his lovers, the Sahaba Karam, radiallahu anhum ajma'in. Our love for all of those who love him. Our love for all of those who are beloved to him. Our love for each and every one of his actions, any one of his, each and every statements, each and every of his feelings. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to accept our dua. We ask you to drown us into the sunnah, from the tips of our hair to the soles of our feet, from the outermost part of our skin to the depth and innermost core of our being. Ya Allah, we ask you to drown us in the sunnah life. In the Sunnah way, Rabbana takabal minna innaka anta samiul alim, Utubu alayna innaka anta tuwab alahim, Wasallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad, Wala alihi wa ashabihi ajmain, Bi rahmatika ya alhamar rahimin.